Welcome to another episode of Strictly Business, the podcast devoted to thought leaders in the entertainment industry. I'm Variety's co-editor-in-chief, Andrew Wallenstein. There may be no more sought-after demographic than millennial Hispanics, which means there's a lot of energy being spent on attracting them with content. One of the companies doing that is Raze, and its CEO, Emiliano Kalamzuk, is here to talk about it. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Andrew. Very, very, very nice to be here. Good to have you. So in terms of the, you know, being a Latino media company, I think that can mean like so many different things. And you actually do a lot of different components in your business. So walk us through what exactly Raise is. Yes. I mean, we, we saw a great opportunity uh, where you know, some of the dominant forces in the Hispanic business in the U.S. were catering to an older audience through business broadcast, which is in secular decline. And we asked ourselves, if we were to create a Hispanic <clears throat> sort of focus company today in the U.S., what, it will, what would it look like? And we look at some, uh, some, some previous successful companies like the case of MTV. You know, can we create a brand that talks to a generation uh, and, and really take advantage of the fact that a lot, there's a lot of transitioning and, and kind of sunsetting of the audience that's been historically on, on those two broadcasters, like you know, in the case of Univision and Telemundo. But we knew that in order to be a successful company, you have to put creative first. You know, I, you know, I spent about 15 years at Fox, and, 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 and every time that a, a success was created financially was because it was a great story at the center. And we said... We have to put talent and story at the center and then try to figure out how to exploit those things through digital, through traditional media, and really also taking advantage of the fact that the platforms like Netflix and Amazon are expanding dramatically into the, into the demographic and need a lot of content. So how, how do we create a company that, on one end, creates that brand for the future uh, of Hispanics in the U.S. and at the same time takes advantage of all the immediate business opportunities that are happening today. And I think that's how Raise was born. Does one really sort of take care of the finances for the other? Selling into Netflix and Hulu, I would imagine, is where the money is, whereas monetization and setting up a brand on digital platforms, that's really tough. I think you're right. I mean, I, you know, you look at a lot of the digital media companies over the last three to five years, and I think everybody's fighting for the 25% of the budgets that Google and Facebook don't take. And we don't believe that creating content for a brand is a sustainable business proposition for any media company. I look at The Simpsons. You know, Simpsons wouldn't have been The Simpsons if they were created for Butterfinger or for a brand. Like, you know, the creative process needs to be independent from sort of a brand that come, coming on board. So we founded Race on that premise. We said we have to do the best, the best content that we can. And then if Netflix and Amazon or Hulu or TNT want to buy it, great. And then over time, we'll develop a brand-related you know, brand business, but it has to start with the programming. And, and I think, um, you know, I think, I think that's, that, that, that holds true to, to today. I mean, we, we're not a branded agency. Uh, we are a company that creates content for a demographic that's actually looking for a lot more than what it, you know, currently exists. And you have some interesting partners working with you and some interesting backers. Talk about that. We are uh, we are blessed. I mean, what can I say? I mean, uh, this is my first experience in raising money and having VC partners, and all we get is is help and support and encouragement. And actually, you know, can we do more? Can we invest more? Can we, you know? And, and I think in that in that regard, uh, Graycroft and Rain, who had great experience with Vice, with Awesomeness TV, with Maker Studios, UTA partners as well, 
um, you know, we're, they've, they've really been very helpful in, in sort of helping us uh, uh, make, you know, create this architecture for, for, for race. And obviously, my partner, Luis Balaguer and Sofia Vergara, obviously people who've been in the Latino world for a long time and, and uh, have had extensive relationships with, you know, other talent, with brands. So I think it's a very interesting ecosystem. But at the end of the day, I think we're all very convinced that, you know, we do have to create a brand, and at the same time, we have to be a company. We have to be a company that makes money. Uh, you know, the way that historically production companies and, and, and media companies have made money as well. So um, I have to ask, though, Sofia Vergara. People might assume raises. You know, a lot of big talent like her have these vanity shingles, as Variety would call it. Is Ray's just that, or is Sophia really bringing some ambition to this? Sophia is one of the hardest working people I think I've ever met. And, and uh, Sophia doesn't do anything where she doesn't believe there's real upside in it. And she's got a lot of ideas as well. So I think we have, you know, our ecosystem is an interesting one. You know, I come from a studio, Luis comes from talent management. Sophia has had extensive brand relationships and has worked in big IP. Our VC partners have been involved in the creation of successful companies. So I think everybody has a role to play. Uh, obviously, you know, Sophia has, has a lot of performing work that she does as well. So, you know, some of us, you know, you know spend more time than... than. Mm-hmm. So you've been around a year or so. What are the wins that have put Ray's on the map? I think we, I'm actually very excited and, and, and quite pleasantly surprised by, by, the, by the progress. You know, I think, you know, we have announced a, a, a series with Netflix. We're co-producing with a Mexican production company, a series for Amazon Prime. So, you know, and these are, these are very significant shows. Uh, I think for a company one year old that kind of comes from, from, a, from the digital, digital space, it's a great win. We're having conversations with studios and strategics about partnering for developing of, of IP, which hopefully we'll get to announce in the next few months. Uh, we launched Race.TV and our presence across all social media, and we amassed you know, a million and a half subscribers on YouTube and you know, definitely growing Instagram. So we're starting to see uh, our KPIs and our metrics really, really grow very fast, and particularly engagement. One of the things that we look at is does our content resonate with the audience? And I think, you know, compared to any other digital media company that puts content on, on social media, our engagement sometimes doubles the average. So we're very excited about having created a combination of content and audience fit that we think has a very long, you know, you know long path that we can continue to exploit. What is the secret sauce of Rays from a brand perspective, from a programming perspective, that makes it resonate with this Latino millennial audience? I think it's a special sauce, and I don't think we have it down to, to the scent. I think we're iterating, and there are certain things that work better than others. Uh, we recently launched kind of our, our live show, live variety show, which is purely focused on the digital space out of our Mexico office. And we're going to try to see if we can add now from Los Angeles to have that Mexico-Los Angeles kind of corridor, uh, which from an audience perspective is very important for us. And we try stuff all the time. You know, that we've, we've done high-budget content with some of the, 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 the town that we, that, we, that we work with. Uh, we've done, we're planning to do some big tentpole initiatives over the next year uh, that are going to be relevant. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think is respect for the digital uh, audience in terms of their uses and, and how they use social media, uh, being genuine to, to, to our market, and, and being innovative. I mean, all those things that we believe that linear broadcast has struggled with, I think we're really trying to put in overdrive. And, and so far, the results are there. I mean, our growth, in, in, again, across the KPIs 
is there. And then we've also been able to sell a lot of shows to third-party platforms. So actually, we're very happy on, on both ends. Mm-hmm. And what does your competitive set look like? Because I know there's other companies like Me Too that have some similarities to what you're doing. And as you mentioned, you know, the fact that there's these giants like Univision and Telemundo that don't really even seem to be focused on this younger audience. So what is this competitive set like? You know, I think, I think we look at how can we create something for the 18 to 35 where Univision and Telemundo are, are continuing sort of to hold to an older audience. Uh, I think that's what we look at as sort of our, of our main objective. Uh, in terms of other companies playing the space, I think everybody, every you know, uh, you know, rising tide raises all boats. I think it's a it's a large enough market. There's space for everybody. Mitu has done a phenomenal job on the English language side and developed a, a massive sort of Facebook uh, following. I think we're doing the same from a form of an IP perspective, where we sort of established our, our our place in the ground. But I do think that there's there's enough for all of us to do in that space. Um, I'm really focused on trying to get as much uh, as we can in that Spanish language, sort of U.S. and Latin America, where, where, where that we think there's a great opportunity. And is it entirely Spanish language programming? It seems that over the years, as I've looked at ventures like your own, everyone sort of takes a slightly different tack. We started with Spanish because the strength of our talent was in Spanish language. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, you know, we're producing some shows for some of the big uh, SVOD platforms where it's in Spanglish. Uh, we have development in English. Uh, you know, we think that, the, you know, the Latino population in the U.S., you know, has a lot of shades. Uh, you know, actually 80-plus percent speak either a lot of Spanish or some Spanish, and the English-only audience is actually quite small. So you can't paint with just, you know, you, you have to be able to sort of, you know, be you know, in, in every kind of, you know, midpoint. And, and, and ultimately, you know, some things that are for a very young adult audience, maybe more English dominant, some things that are, that are older, you know, maybe a mix in, in, in Spanish and English. And I think if you look at some successes like Netflix's Narcos, where it's a show that comes out of Latin America with, you know, a lot of it in, in Spanish, but still being able to attract a, a very significant audience in the general market. So we see that as sort of, you know, becoming the norm across the board, and we definitely want to play there. Talk a bit also about the talent component. Uh, you know, who are the stars of Rays, and, and what does it tell us about the venture? I mean, we're lucky that we, you know, we have an ability to sort of, you know, uh, Luis and, and, and Mari sort of come from a management uh, role for, for decades. So, you know, I think we do have management relationship with some key talent on the writing side, editorial, acting. You know, obviously, Sofia uh, partnered with Luis on Latin World. Uh, so, you know, we definitely... we. You know, we definitely look at talent as a as a as a as a main component of of, uh, of what we do, and uh, and you know, obviously, we have a relationship with some of the biggest social media influencers in in Latin America and, and, and Hispanic, who also have creative ambitions for movies and series, which we're helping develop. Uh, we have relationships with talent that's been on Univision and Telemundo in front of the camera that we're also developing programming for. So I think it's also an interesting ecosystem where you know some of the writers and directors and some of the acting talent and some of the social media influencers, and we try to make everybody kind of play in the same mix. Uh, and you know, obviously, you know, you know, proof will be in the pudding, but we're very confident that that I think it's a good uh, it's a good combination of uh, of assets to 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 create content with. So there's film in this mix as well? Yes, yes. Actually, one of the conversations we're having right now is to develop three, you know, obviously these are not 
you know, $40 million movies, you know, they're more in the sort of a, a single digit million. Uh, but really, if you look at the talent uh, and the and the influencers being a part of, uh, you know, there's there's really, really very, very strong appeal for that demographic. I mean, if you and if you combine the social media reach of the people that will ultimately be in this in these projects, it's in the tens of millions. So we're trying to figure out, is there a way for direct to consumer? So, the, you know, as platform uh, uh, play that we can do with talent that really wants to do more. And, 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 you know, I think the word influencer has been kind of thrown around a lot. I mean, we work, hmm. th- these are people that have been doing social media for 10 years and be the top of the, their field. And we've been able to place them in Disney Channel, series and Nickelodeon. I mean, so they, these are also p- very good performers. So we're very confident that the town that we work with is very capable for doing sort of the next, the next generation of content. As I hear you talk, though, when I pull away the the Latino audience target, really your business is not that different than Vice or BuzzFeed in, in, in your approach to market. And then I look at those companies, and they've had their share of victories, but they've really taken some lumps in recent years, a lot of questions about their growth pattern for the future. Uh, how are you avoiding some of the pitfoil, sorry, pitfalls that those companies are facing? I think it's a good question. And, you know, to begin with, you know, ad revenue and branded content are a minuscule part of our, of our business model. So, you know, if, if brands decide that the digital space is not safe and we don't invest, you know, our exposure is very limited. And again, I think having learned at Fox for many years, you know, one solid hit will solve a lot of problems. So we're very focused on what is that piece of content that really is going to create a franchise for us? You know, mm-hmm. how can I create the next Twilight? How can I, you know, I think... You know, coming from the Latino space gives you a lot of opportunity because, you know, it's an underserved audience. Uh, but, but I think if you look at all those companies you mentioned, they were, they were born out of we reach billions of people. Like, we're not, we're not in the business of, you know, hopefully we will reach billions of people. But that's not our selling proposition. This is sort of, you know, we have the best combination of idea, talent, and execution to create a great franchise. And I think that's, that's how we see our company. Um, and I think off the gate, being able to sort of be able to sell to all these, you know, you know, we have the credibility to do so. We have the, the creative expertise to deliver. Uh, and I think that's very, that's, that's, that's why we think we're different from, from, from all those companies that really come from a volume business, a eyeball and impression business. And, 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 and I think, you know, volume and high quality ideas are not always compatible. True. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're patiently trying to grow that stable of IP, uh, looking for great opportunities where we can also own intellectual property. I mean, ultimately, we want to build our library. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think I, I would say that's probably one of the biggest uh, differences uh, with those companies. I mean, we're very we're not in the branded content. We're not in the agency business. And we're clearly not in the sort of. But I, but I would imagine not only when you look at the size of the Hispanic market in the U.S., but obviously around the world, internationally, you guys are probably very well positioned. Yeah. I mean, in Latin America, we're an absolute leader today. Uh, and, and in the U.S., I think we're carving our space. We have the demographic playing in our favor because uh, I think dollar, you know, the dollars ultimately will try to follow those younger demographics. And I think because we're smaller, we're nimbler. Uh, and we can take much more risk than some of these established broadcasters. I think we're look, we're really trying to carve out that that space. But yes, you're right. I mean, Latin America, we've got a very significant audience, and you know, right now we're planning 
talent tours, things that will start in Latin America will give us an opportunity to test uh, before we bring them to the U.S. I have to say, though, sometimes, and this is not just with regard to the Latino market, but really for lots of dem different demographics, I find myself skeptical about the whole notion of sort of ethnic targeted content, that perhaps the Hispanic audience in the U.S. doesn't necessarily care whether they're watching Hispanic content or not, and they could love a lot of the English language stuff. Am I being a little short-sighted there, though? No, I think I think... You know, I'm always wary of sort of the extremes, black or white, zero, hundred. Like, you know, I think I would consider my house to be somewhat sort of, you know, in, in that in that in that average mix where, you know, I watch a lot of stuff in English. Is if something interesting in Spanish, I'll watch it. Same thing with my kids. My mm -hmm. kids, you know, on Netflix, they watch sort of, you know, the traditional sort of, you know, English language stuff. But there's this show from Argentina that they love and they watch it in Spanish. And I think ultimately people get attracted to stuff that's good. And, you know, and if you have the ability to be able to switch between two languages, then, you know, you, you still watch what's good, irrespective of which language it is. I agree with you that just because you brand yourself Latino, people are not going to flock to you and, and watch. And I think that's one of, the, one of the challenges when you do stuff in English is, you know, the Latino audience will watch something Latino skewing, but they also go to Complex and Vice and BuzzFeed and Box and, and, and all these things. And, and, and I think it's much harder to find great comp competitive content when you do it in Spanish. Hmm. And for Spanish language content, I think the first word that comes to mind for a lot of people is the telenovela. Mm -hmm. And yet I've heard plenty that the telenovela may not necessarily be a format that's well situated for the future, to put it kindly. Do you guys have a take on that? Are you in that business? Uh, I mean, what's a telenovela? Telenovela is sort soap of soap opera. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. this is this is this kind of story that's convoluted with sort of a lot of feelings and betrayals and love and, and it intertwines and and it gets crazy. I can point to Desperate Housewives and tell you what a great soap opera that was. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so I think the genre in it, from, you know, when you look at it from the Spanish language content world, I think it's been you know I think Telemundo has done a great job in sort of bringing that genre to a much more a sort of, uh, you know, enjoyable for millennials or, 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 you know, so you're really taking all that intertwined crazy love story and put it in a context that's, that's much more appealing for a younger audience. Uh, a good story is still a good story. I would argue that Shakespeare would have been a great telenovela writer. It's just the question is if you, if you shoot it in Mexico where the, where the Mexican rancher falls in love with a maid, that for someone living in East LA is like, <laughs> I can't relate to that. But if you put it here in, in East LA, or if you put it in sort of you know, in, in, you know, whatever, in a more 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 Hispanic context, then it's just a great story. Mm -hmm. So I think you know we don't discard things just because they're a telenovela, but we do believe that you have to make things that are relevant to the people that live here today and are sort of within that age range. And I think that the broadcasters you mentioned struggled with with that process because you know Univision was importing mm -hmm. programming directly from Televisa in Mexico and Televisa was still stuck doing that kind of telenovela I think everybody got a wake up call now and both are trying to sort of reinvent themselves and talk to a younger audience and we definitely are in that mix as a program supplier but also sort of you know as as as, as developing content for race too well but can't you become the next Univision or Telemundo uh, that's a, that's my goal are they looking over their shoulders at you, or are you just a program supplier to I them? Think we're, I think we're still small, and I think you know they got a mass. Again, between both of them, they make a, you know they have a three billion dollar business. So I don't. I, I'm sure that they're not losing sleep over race, 
But we're definitely going in that direction. We do want to become that brand for, for the Hispanic millennial in the U.S., but also in Latin America. Uh, and it's interesting because, you know, you know, I think even when you go to mainland American countries in Mexico or in Colombia or in Argentina, you still don't see a company like, like, like Race, what we're trying to, to, to become. And I think it's a massive opportunity if we can really become that company. Uh, I think we will, you know, I think we will have a great opportunity to create great, great content. So you've got the brand out there on digital platforms, ad-supported, social-friendly. Why that approach as opposed to or in addition to some sort of direct-to-consumer subscription? Don't sell to Netflix. Be your own Netflix just for that market. I don't think you're mistaken. I think that's ultimately in the plans. Uh, I think you want to establish credibility. You want to sort of get, you know, we're, we're seeing there's good revenue there today. Uh, but over time, yes, we do want to manage our own business with our, our own consumers. And I don't know if, if, if the subscription is to be able to sell the audience content, but definitely, you know, sort of have a community of people that really engage with the brand, with the tours, with the music, with the content, uh, and, 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 and all those things. I'm also seeing uh, e-commerce in Latin America skyrocket in markets. So the opportunity of creating a, a consumer brand are really, really, really appealing. Uh, so I think that's all part of the mix. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, we're very happy that in the first year we're able to sell to sort of the big SL platforms, real shows, real dramas with real budgets, at the same time that we're developing our digital direct-to-consumer brand. I think that's, that's for, for our first year, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good first step. Uh, and, and also the fact that a lot of the strategics want to play with us in different shapes and forms that's very exciting because we don't... What do you mean by that strategics play with? Studios, some of the big established mm-hmm. cable brands coming to us and say, let's develop things together. Let's partner on some of your strategic initiatives that you, maybe you cannot afford on your own. It's great. I mean, because we don't believe that we're here to completely replace everybody. I think, you know, we're growing slowly uh, that, that sort of digital space. And, and it's great to be able to learn from and collaborate with some of these bigger legacy media brands. You know, we're not, we're not here to sort of, to, to, to uh, we're here to sort of try to grow our business, but we believe that it's not, again, it's not an all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of these companies have resources, have an audience, have great programming, and they're great partners. The Latino media market being as big as it is, I'm almost surprised that there isn't more attention, more momentum there. Uh, do you think it's something that is looking uh, a sector that's looking for its next big hit, that next show that sort of re retrains people to understand the importance of that demographic? Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of it comes from you know, I mean, two things. Some of the me- the big media companies have a lot of other issues to worry about that are sort of real threats to the business, and uh, you see sort of the, you know, the cable bundle or. You know, we sell to Netflix or we don't sell to Netflix. Uh, and Latino is always priority. It's important, but it's priority number nine or ten. Uh, and, 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 and I think, you know, in your day-to-day, if you're an executive, because I think I've been in that, in that position, you know, you, you only get to priority number ten when you have the time. Right. And I think that creates a situation where there's not a lot of investment and a lot of, lot of aggressive bets. Uh, but I do think everybody understands the, 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 the demographic change in the country. I think everybody understands the need to do it. And, and I think there's been, on the Latino side, there's been growth in the amount of executives, the amount of writers. So I think you're, you are seeing growth, uh, you know, at, at all sides of, 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 of the mainstream market with respect to Latino. 
But you're right. I think it, will, it usually takes a big hit to sort of make everybody, oh, oh my God, how, how, how come didn't, didn't we see it coming? I think that there have been some examples of, of, of good content, but, you know, you got to program, you know, continue to sort of to build on top of that just to create a difference. I would imagine part of the opportunity is that there does seem to be some underrepresentation of Latinos on screen in TV in the U.S., uh, they're, you know, on pace to be a third of the population by, you know, 20, 30 years from now. And yet looking at the airwaves nowadays, you wouldn't really get that sense. Is that an opportunity for Rays? I think it is. Because ultimately, I think, you know, I don't necessarily believe that we, you have to make a quote of how many people need to, you know, I think the best people need to be on the air. And I think the talent on the Latino side is also growing. Um, you know, the opportunities weren't great. But I don't think I don't think it can be, I don't think we should play victim. I think we should say let's put more people to do better stuff. I think we're in the business of trying to make that Latino content better. So it automatically will bring more more actors and actresses and writers and directors uh, to it. And I think there's a lot of work to be done from the creative side of the Latino space where the stories become better, where the stories engage a wider audience that are not just Latino. And I think that's our job. That's where I see race as a, as, as a real player. How can we really elevate the game so when someone is sitting at NBC, ABC, CBS, turns around and says, that's a great show, I love it, happens to be Latino, okay, great, but not the other way around. Hmm. I understand that uh, a big part of the strategy going forward is live content. Talk about what you're doing there and why you're doing that. It's amazing. I mean, we, we're doing Race Live uh, out of Mexico, and we're going to add another, uh, hopefully, in the next month or two from Los Angeles. It's, you know, the opportunities for a, for a digital audience to be live. You know, I can, I can look at HQ, the game show, uh, but, you know, there aren't a lot of opportunities to sort of jump into something, and we've done it, and it's, we've done, you know, we've been global trending topic on Twitter in two of the four shows that we've done, uh, and, and, uh, and it's, it's just great. I mean, it's a lot of work. Well, what are the shows? What exactly well, are you putting the, the, out the, there? Well, it's just one. It's, it's Race Live, which is essentially, it's a variety show. There's music, there's gaming, there's sort of, you know, competition between celebrity talent, uh, and, and, and the audience tunes in from pretty much all Latin America and the U.S. and Spain. Uh, and again, we launched it like a month ago, so we're in the very early stages. Uh, but it's an opportunity to have this demographic tune in at once on the phone. And, and it's great. It's great. The feedback that we get, it's great to see the interaction between the fans and the talent live. Uh, we're learning a ton. And I think that that becomes a great platform. You know, hopefully we'll be able to add another show on Wednesdays, another show on Thursday. So you know, a year from now, can we own one hour of this demographic daily uh, across all Latin America, U.S.? Uh, I think it's an ambitious goal, but if we can pull it off, it's something that no broadcaster has been able to do. Uh, so I think it's one of, one of the things that we're really excited about. Well, I'm excited to see uh, how that develops and so much more at Rays. Emiliano Kalamzuk, thanks for coming in and talking to me. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, thank you for, uh, for taking the time and, you know, look forward to keeping you up to speed on the progress. Thanks for listening to another episode of Strictly Business. Please do subscribe when you get a chance. And tune in next week when my guest will be Pluto TV CEO Tom Ryan.